Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Daily Hi-Fi Podcast. Today we've got our special guests, Dennis Berger and Brent Butterworth from the Audio Unleashed Podcast. Yeah. <laughs> What's <laughs> going on, everybody? How are you? All right. Audio what? We need to get you to do it, man. That's You're doing the intro from now on. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah, so this is, this is a special day. I've been asking, I don't know, I think I've asked Brent, I don't know, maybe... Maybe two years ago. <laughs> it's been a while. I've been asking yeah. you for a while. I've been I'm like, man, dude, you need to be on here. So you're finally here. Finally here. I hope it's as, as exciting as you know the anticipation has suggested. Yes. Probably not, but we'll see. <laughs> well, Dennis, thank you for getting us all together. Ah, I think thanks, that's part man. of it. We both nerd out. Like I call you up or you know, we start talking about like computer audio stuff, DSP stuff, and we just we just go on. So yeah, you're the first person I've ever talked to who got excited about the words displacement map. So <laughs> that's true. <laughs> that is true. So, uh, no video talk. Okay, sorry. Oh, sorry. Yeah, right. sorry. Well, yeah. We're oh. talking about Photoshop stuff. No, no, no. <laughs> Get off of that. So uh for the folks who don't know, yeah, you should you should know who these folks are, right? So Man, usually you guys introduce yourselves on the on the on mm -hmm. your podcast, and for you know, just right off the bat, that's my favorite thing to listen to. I don't listen to very many other people, but I listen to your guys's podcast. Oh, well, thank you. you. Yeah, and every time I cut my hair, it's like my routine: cut my hair, <laughs> listen to the podcast. <laughs> um, so yeah, um, want to introduce yourselves? I'm sure that you can do it better than I can. Well, our tradition is to introduce each other so ah, that our go. egos okay, don't get too inflated. So, um, <laughs> yeah, just mildly inflated. So, Dennis Berger <laughs> is, uh, I, I, I met Dennis. I actually rescued Dennis from obscurity because um, I was working for Dolby and he was working for like DVD Angle or something. And mm -hmm. I, uh, I, I, and we met about 2020, I guess. No. 2000 2020 <laughs> and uh as soon as i got back into the publishing business i immediately called dennis and said dude you got it like right for me and um and it became a lot bigger of a deal he was just writing them anyway so it became a bigger deal and he kind of took off from there but so dennis has written for besides dvd angle obviously um soundstage currently writes for wire cutter um uh home theater review um uh, residential systems, mm -hmm. uh, Cinelux, and mm -hmm. probably some others I'm forgetting about. But Dennis is, is <laughs> remarkable because he is a not only a, an expert on audio and video, but also a home automation guy. And he's like certified for programming, like some of those home automation stuff. I'm Tech systems. 2 certified for Control 4. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he's like... God, he's really deep on all that Cedia stuff, which I, I think I was back when they first invented Cedia. Um, when it wasn't hard to be deep on Cedia stuff. <laughs> but there were like when, five when, people wait, there. Hold on. When when was that? What's, are we talking 20 years ago, 100 years ago? What's, what's uh, about 30, year, 30 years ago? I, was, years at the, ago, I okay. was at the very first uh, Cedia Expo, which was in Dallas, probably about uh, uh, nineteen ninety two or something mm. like that and um you know it was it was real small back then and but it was cool that's where i met floyd tool oh mm. well, cool. yeah. i'm sure that name will come up a few times today possibly oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah he's done well 
he's gotten he's he's earned some acclaim. Anyway, so that's who Dennis is. Any, I, I'm I'm happy to entertain any questions. <laughs> <laughs> well, you you talked about how you became aware of me. I should talk about how I became aware of you because I was a big fan before we met and before we became friends. Um, I guess go way back. I should say. I am on the autism spectrum and I have a lot of, lot of difficulties being in public. <laughs> and so I love movies, but going to the movie theater is a nightmare for me. So when I heard about this home theater concept, I was like, I need some of that. And uh, went and bought home theater magazine and there's this Brent Butterworth guy and he's writing articles about Shaq T stones and burying subwoofers. And it's, you know, I bought all of the other publications, but his name always stood out to me because it was always fun and always entertaining but more importantly than anything else i think the quality that i latched on to with brent's writing is that i think most of the people in our field want you to constantly come to them for advice and the quality that impressed me about brent was he was trying to say let me teach you these things so you don't need me right <laughs> let me wow. help you understand this and you don't have to constantly keep coming to me for answers. If I can help you understand speakers and 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 sound, you don't need me anymore. But you know, I didn't need him, but I wanted him because he entertained the hell out of me. So, yeah, after Home Theater Review, you did. I mean, after Home Theater Magazine, you did what? You did E Town, then you did Dolby, then we did Robertport Home Entertainment and Design, which became Robertport Home Entertainment, which became Home Entertainment. You did Sound and Vision. Uh, you wrote some for Home Theater Review, Audio File Review. You're wire cutter, so Audio Express. You're all over the place, man. It's easier yeah. just to say industry legend. <laughs> yeah, probably easier to say what he hasn't written for. Yeah, the cigar really. one, the cigar. Right. <laughs> he, hasn't written for, he hasn't really written for any video magazines. That is not true. I was I was the senior oh. editor of Video Magazine. Yeah. Oh, oh. wrong. <laughs> So back, totally in the, back in back in the NTSC <laughs> days, I was one of the primary guys covering uh, like the whole Grand Alliance. You know, when HCTV was was started, I went to all those press events. Now, I I have gotten I I, I uh, uh, Sound and Vision hired me after I went freelance in two thousand eight to review um, projectors. Al Griffin mm -hmm. was the senior editor at Sound and Vision back then, and I did it until. Uh, I didn't like doing it, but I did it for Al. And I did it until uh, Jeff Morrison became available as a freelancer. And uh, I immediately emailed Al and said, get this guy. He knows what he's talking about. I don't know what I'm doing. And <laughs> I haven't touched a video product since then. So, And I, I, and I intend to die before I ever touch another video product, except just as a TV to like turn it on and watch whatever I'm watching. <laughs> oh, man. It's just yeah. awesome to hear you guys talking, you know. It's like, uh, just like I'm listening to the podcast. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Let's just let them talk. Except we can't edit know. ourselves here. We can't, oh, <laughs> so true. We, we have to be careful. You, you guys edit yourself? What do you mean? Oh, heavily. Oh, yeah. Oh, heavily. Yeah. In y'all's last one, I heard, I can't remember which one of you said that you were going to have to go edit y'all's podcast after you were talking with Doug, and I thought, well, what did you edit? So kudos, number one, on the smooth editing, because I couldn't yeah, tell. I couldn't tell. <laughs> Anything yeah. was edited either. So yeah, I think the latest episode I edited, the one that's going the went live on our Patreon this weekend and is going live for everybody else to Wednesday. Mm -hmm. I think I ended up editing about 42 minutes out of that all told. Good. Wow. 
Yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of time. What were you guys talking about? Yeah. Yeah. Guys laughing. We're not like, talking about well, you. I, I, I want to know what's on the cutting room floor of the. Yeah, that's, hey, that's, I'll be I'll be a, a patron if yeah. I get to hear what was cut. You yeah. you hear a lot of what was cut. That's, that's what we. That's what that's what is that it? Hear yeah. like wait, a lot of yeah. You get like thirty minutes extra or something. Or oh, is that is I'm, that the okay. unleashed portion of the podcast? No, the whole thing is unleashed. The whole thing is all unleashed. Okay. Oh, see, for us, we just have to deal with uh, the repercussions of whatever Chana says. I'm just no, like, I just point the finger. Uh, it's, it's that guy. It's that guy. It's that's that. the one. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's an awesome podcast. I have a link here audiounleashed.podbean.com. And also, you can, uh, you can also uh, go on YouTube, youtube.com forward slash at audio unleashed and you can listen there to me the you know, like using a podcasting service just makes more sense because you get a you know you get an update lets you know yeah. there's a new one so mm -hmm. it's better about that than youtube yeah i think most of the reason that we put it on youtube is just mm -hmm. because youtube actually you can organize it now to where it is a podcast mm -hmm. and then we'll push it as a podcast to people who use youtube music Right. That, oh, that's that's true. that is true when you put yeah. it into a playlist it becomes a a podcast and it, another thing i notice is uh youtube is good about at least giving a platform for comments so mm. i can ask a question get some follow-up uh answers hopefully yeah i don't know if you guys uh really respond on there or not but um you could do we I do, I've never looked at it. We've only had I one comment, and it was from Jerry Dolcaliano, basically mansplaining to me what my video was about. So I didn't <laughs> respond. <That's> <laughs> <laughs> right. oh, thank you for Thanks. the link. Whoever put that, I did. I did. I thank you, Chana. Yeah. Uh, the, hey, that ha that happens a lot. That, yeah. That's just with any video you're going to have. You make one, or, or even if you're not wrong, they'll, they'll they'll just go ahead and give you. Hey, you need to do this better. Yeah, or you were right. You were slightly wrong about this because of ABC XYZ. I'm like, oh, okay, thanks, thanks, buddy. Aaron. You get that. Uh, you get that quite a bit. I noticed in your comments, like you'll do this crazy, like thorough review, and then like somebody will just say, like, well, let me explain something to you. Like, um, <laughs> yeah. all right, I'm like, uh, let me see how this cool. goes. Well, I don't even cool. reply anymore. Thanks. I'm just like, cool. No, somebody <laughs> actually commented today on yours. I don't know if you saw it. They said uh, about the Martin Logans. He yeah. Said, oh, oh, Aaron schooled you. I'm like, I've never reviewed these. How? In what way did he school me? <laughs> I mean, I would that be happy happened. to be schooled. I would be happy to be schooled. Mm -hmm. You know, as long I as I don't have to pay. I saw some guy reply to it and say that um, it's not the high frequency boost that people think is is detail. It's the uh, it's the low distortion. And I'm like, I mean, it has lowish distortion, but that's not it. <laughs> mm. All right, yeah. maybe that was that in your live stream last year. Yeah. Wasn't it? yeah. 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 <laughs> so keeping oh, up with the Joseph says sound and vision was my porn mag. Oh, wow. Man. All right. Wow. Hey, okay. Everybody's got their kinks, man. Mm -hmm. You yes, got the so. centerfold, wow. like a widescreen. The oh. <laughs> 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 centerfold's like a projector. <laughs> oh, man. So um, podcast, make sure to check out their podcast. It's 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 the best. Like, that's why I have you on here. I want to learn from you guys about how to be a better reviewer. You guys have been doing this for a long time. I, you know, I think, I'm, I think you've already got that figured out, but um, 
I, it's I I think it's so simple. It's just that it takes a lot of it's it's a lot of work. And to me, the 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 gold standard is has always been measurements plus blind testing. And once you've got that, what else do you need? You know, you maybe you need some dude to tell a amusing story or something. But sure. Yeah. That's that's the gold standard, and that's what all all the good research has been done that way. And I don't think the, the you know the problem is um, you know as we I think all know measurements hard, and um, well it's it's hard, it's hard, and it's and it's often expensive. Not always, but often expensive. And uh, you know anyone who's done a lot of measurement has you know knows you know has has spent. I guarantee you, any the, the sort of mark of someone who's done a lot of measurement, because a lot of people say, "Oh, I've done measurements," but until you've spent probably at least at least ten nights being up past midnight trying to figure out how to get your stupid analyzer to work, and I and Aaron, I haven't used a clipple, but I'm just going to take a wild guess and say that's they're not immune to that. No, um, even before then it's really difficult to do and there's just, and there's, there's not a lot of literature about how to do measurements. And you, so you ask people, you ask manufacturers, you try to find something about it. You look at the, the very few reference books that are on it and that part's hard enough. And then if you're going to do blind testing, well, you got to have the right switchers and things like that to do it. And then you got to get people in to do it. And, Sometimes those people are not going to be attentive and, and not going to care too much. And sometimes they will. And I, I'm lucky because I go up to, to Vancouver where there's a great uh, vintage audio store there called Innovative Audio. And um, I'm like an hour and a half south of Vancouver. And I'll take stuff up there to do blind tests. And they like clear out a room for me. And we set it all up and I bring my black drapes and, you know, my, my thin black fabric thing with the photo thing and all that. And I can, and I have all the switchers, either ones that I bought or, or built myself and I can set up to do a test. And since those guys are hardcore audio people, I don't have to explain to them what to do. I can just be like, Hey, we're going to listen to some Bluetooth speakers, you know, in three groups, cheap ones, mid price ones and high price ones. And then, you know, we'll run through those and you'll tell me what you think, but it takes time. It takes, you know, it takes like a whole day for me to go up there and set the test up and run the test. And then I got to write it up. And so this stuff is hard, Re you know, reviewing where you just get the product in and just mess around with it. You're never going to be especially great probably. And, uh, you know, you're only going to have it, I quit. That are pertinent to you. I quit. I quit. Well, <laughs> I know, but, but you can, but you can, you can, incorporate it's not like you have to all of a sudden become the you know canadian nrc in or your the clipple measuring guy right or the clipple measuring guy or anything like that you can you take you know small steps to do it like if you do subwoofers you can do cea 2010 mm -hmm. like for like a hundred dollars or something and you can do it in your backyard and um really like just as well as anything else can do it and uh, for things like, you know, for, for blind testing, you can, you can, there isn't a good cheap switcher. There should be. <laughs> I, I, well, you know, if, if, if someone commercialized my switcher, it would cost like a hundred dollars or less.
Mm-hmm. And, you know, the parts, it's just four op amps and a circuit board and eight pots and some jacks and like, you know, a couple little things. It's not mm-hmm. hard, but I should probably make plans for it or something. It's just this stuff is easy if you kind of have read a couple old Radio Shack, like how to make circuits manuals. Does it count if you dream about measuring? I mean, if you do this a lot, it's weird. It starts getting to like mirrors. I seriously like dream about like, oh, oh yeah. I'm, I'm like, why am I dreaming about that? That's such a weird thing to be thinking about. Well, it's, I mean, I dreamed sorry, about chess sorry, when Angela. I was a chess player, you know? Yeah, it's so it's so random. And as far as uh, like blind testing, I met you at CES. Remember, Chana? We were at the Sound yeah, United yeah. room. I, and I remember it very well. Yeah. Paul was like. Hey, that's Brad Butterworth right there. I'm like, oh, <laughs> cool. let me get his up. card or something, right? Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, oh, this this dude lives kind of close to me. So yeah. I messaged you, and you invited me over to check out some headphones that you were we reviewing. Did, we, from... we tested headphones for Soundstage. Yeah. Well, you were reviewing it for Wirecutter, I think. Was it Wirecutter? Yeah. No, I'm not the. Oh, was it? Yeah. I can't remember. Yeah. Man, I because <laughs> Joe's like, yeah, um, yeah, no, it was. I looking remember. for the Wirecutter article, yeah. and then you mentioned me, and I'm like, oh, cool, I'm in. Wirecutter. Oh. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so you had me just check out the headphones and listen to some stuff, and I was kind of like, uh, "Well, my assessment wasn't that great, you know, because I'm I'm not used to reviewing headphones. So, like, some yeah, of the differences, yeah. yeah, it's just weird. No well-adjusted weird. person is used to you know reviewing headphones. <laughs> yeah, I, I was I mean, uh, doing some stuff where I, I looked at the measurement after. I'm like, oh man. I was kind of off, but whatever. Like it's all good. No, you're yeah. not off. It's but but you're an audio enthusiast. You were. I mean, you know, you your opinions are valid, mm-hmm. and yeah, headphones. It's it's uh, blind testing with headphones is is really. Uh, uh, it's the whole process is very dicey. You just have to kind of put them on and and hope people don't get too distracted by the brand name. Yeah. But. Uh, you know, it's and level matching with headphones is really hard. And uh, but you know, even so, just getting other people's opinions, even if it's not a blind test, yeah. getting other people's opinions is really just incredibly useful. And especially, it's not, I mean, I do blind tests to sound bars, and all I do since you can't level match sound bars accurately, um, because they all have kind of different processing and they all do different things with a surround sound signal, right? <laughs> now they've all got different speaker arrays and they, they do their own little editorial on like where they think the speaker should blast out to sound good. And so, but I just do them with my neighbors and cause you know, I, I, I can't haul them up to, it's too hard to set them up, but I do it with my neighbors and I put my thin black fabric and you get like the, you know, like, Oh, like right behind me, there's like a photo, like what you put seamless paper on. Mm-hmm. You can buy those off of Amazon for like nothing, like the stands, and you just get some really thin black fabric and drape it, and bam. And you know, I level match as best I can with sound bars, and I run a few pieces of material and see what my neighbors think. Because you know, my I think your neighbors are like the kind of people that buy sound bars, right? I mean, yeah. Dennis Berger doesn't buy a sound bar. <laughs> no, he Not doesn't. That he's ever told me. Um, yeah. So. I, I think it's really oh. valid to to do that, and so you can you can you can take baby steps into this as much as you want. It's really a matter of, to me, it's a matter of like if you're trying. I mean, if like if you're not doing any of this stuff, and 
maybe you don't even have to do it all the time, but you should mm-hmm. have been through some blind. I mean, if you're going to talk about amplifiers, you should go through some blind tests of amplifiers and yeah. just see how you do, do an ABX yeah. test and see how you do. Um, and that will uh, make you more humble. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I remember you mentioned me one time in, in one of your previous podcasts, you're like, yeah, and Joey Mariano, you know, he's, He's trying to be a serious reviewer, like he's trying. And I thought that was a nice compliment because I really Did I say I trying. Really, I mean, I think I you are. You, you are. I think that's perfect though because okay. I try my best. Like I don't have, you know, I don't have all the tools, and I don't want to spend <laughs> the most amount of time doing every yeah. single thing. I, I try to balance. Okay, I'm going to provide some measurements. I'm going to talk about some of the features because that's also important. I'm trying to balance things out, and maybe I'm going to talk about the price because price performance ratio also yeah. matters. And mm-hmm. I yep. try to, you know, my background's in sales. So I try to think who would this maybe work for and, and try to kind of explain it. Like this is, might be okay if this is what you're into. Well, that's the right. Objectively, this is I what mean, it I, is. I think what Brent was saying is you put in the effort, right? Yeah. That, the, the, maybe you heard him. <laughs> maybe no. you heard him say he's trying, but I think what he was saying is you put in the effort, you actually do the work. So. Yeah, I appreciate that. I appreciate that. And Sean, I, I know you said like, oh, you know, I don't do the measurements, but I've seen I've seen other audio reviewers. Um, I think it was I think it was Caleb where yep. he doesn't talk about the measurements, but I kind of have a feeling I think he does measurements behind the scenes. He never mentions it, but he's like spot on a lot of stuff. So I'm like, mm, I bet he did quick, you know, measurement just to make sure that what he's saying is true. And that is a, a different way. Like maybe yeah. you don't show it, but yeah. at least what you're saying is right. Well, I don't do measurements, but I don't review a lot of transducers, so you know. I think to have gone through the process, and especially like with subwoofers in CEA 2010, CTA 2010, I should say. Mm-hmm. Once you see that measurement done, and I'm actually going to do a video on this pretty soon, um, I think. Uh, once you see how that that measurement's done, and you understand how it correlates and you can maybe hear the difference mm-hmm. with the subwoofer that has high distortion at it, that low frequency and one that doesn't, it just, it just snaps. So I, I, I have a story about that actually. So um, uh, Howard Rogers, the guy from Roger sound, um, they, I used to live in LA and he was like not far from me. And so I reviewed one of his systems for sound and vision. This is before, this is way back when they were just getting started again. Mm. And because it's a brand that goes back to uh, like the seventies or eighties, and um, so I I published the the CEA twenty ten measurements in in Soundstage, and his sub did okay, but uh, the, that was the one he had before. Uh, but then he called me up. He's like, "What is all this stuff? What? what are you, I've never <laughs> heard of this before." And granted, at the time, hardly anybody was doing that measurement, and. Um, I said, well, you know, if you want to come over to my house and check it out, come on over. And, you know, next time I'm doing some subwoofers, I'll just show you how it works. And boy, I mean, he saw that it took him not 10 seconds to be like, oh, my God, this is fantastic. This is so great. And, you know, I ended up doing a lot of measurements for him. Wow. And, um, and you know, and then I, I, I ended up just i had to quit doing it because i went because i went to work for wire cutter but i still just did him for free he'd bring me a cup of coffee or whatever but i was all it was fun because i did some of his prototypes for him 
And, wow. um, and we could, so we try different amplifiers and different drivers and be changing out parts and stuff like that. And, uh, and, you know, I was, I always had subwoofers to measure. So it was never like, you know, once, as, as you guys know, once your measurements set up, the setup is it takes a, can take a long time, but once you're set up, you're kind of like, oh yeah, let's let's just get it going, right? Right. right. See, Brent, do you think it would we... also be fair to say that like CEA twenty or CTA twenty ten is a really good way to wrap your brain around DSP limiters? Oh hell yeah! Because yeah. that was the takeaway from me when you taught me how to do CTA twenty ten. It was like, oh, I finally get DSP limiters. Like on a on a functional level, I finally get them. You know that yeah. was. More than anything for me, it was like, okay, that's an aspect that I don't think I would have been able to truly grok any other way. So Yeah, you can see how this stuff works, and you, you can understand what you're hearing. And so, you know, uh, before we went on, uh, Arian was talking about distortion. And being able – there's you hear so many people talk about distortion, like, oh, yeah, the problem with this is distortion. <laughs> and it almost never is. Right. It's usually something else, okay? <laughs> but they hear something and they think, oh, it's distortion. But then if you do a test like that or you run some other distortion measurements, you can start to, to understand what's really happening. And I, I've had so many people say, like, you know what, the, the difference in headphone sound, it's distortion. And they are wrong, wrong 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 it just it's it's with the difference in subwoofers kind of a lot of it's distortion right but like you don't really encounter distortion in a normal speaker system and a normal amplifier and a, you know, in any kind of a normal system you're just not getting that much distortion and by the way the distortion doesn't really happen except when you're cranked right and maybe we should partly explain masked. what the the, the cea 2010 is and I know Aaron. I know Aaron has to get in on that because you've done. I'll never do it. No. I, I'll I never do another one again. I have not because <laughs> I'm here in California, Brent. I've been to yeah. your your previous house, and maybe you had a quiet area, but in LA, you you can you can testify. There's where where is it quiet? Like if I go outside, it's just cars. Oh well, there's, it's, there's, I, there's not a ton of quiet places. It's hard in Alabama to too. Like the last time I tried to do CE CTA 2010. I just pulled out an SPL meter and and measured the sound of the cicadas. Oh at yeah, man! Decibels. Yeah, ninety-two decibels just standing That's out in the yard yeah. holding an SPL meter. Yeah, yeah. that's no joke. And yeah. then when you were doing it, it was probably summertime, and it was probably at night because you thought, "Oh, I'm gonna dodge the heat," and you were still just sweating <laughs> your stuff off, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I've been there, but you know, you can. See, the, the cool thing about it is that you can actually see. Um, you're supposed to have a 50 dB SPL, you know, noise floor, ideally. Mm -hmm. um, however, if you if you know if you repeat the measurement and average them, mm -hmm. you know, for every doubling of the number of measurements you have, you get a 3 dB uh, improvement in noise floor. Right. So most of the people that do it will do like four. I usually do four if I have a bad, you know, up here as opposed to LA. I live pretty close to a hospital, and sometimes the ventilation system gets a little loud sometimes and i'll just increase the number of of what i call burps because it goes boom 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 right yeah i just increase the number of burps to improve my sm ratio and then also it's all on a on an rta so you can see it so like if a if an airplane flies over right you, you can see that you know a lot of airplanes like cessnas have like about a 120 hertz whoop 
and you can just see it right there. There's no yeah. question like, gosh, is this messing with my measurement? I mean, you can you can just see it in the measurement. There's no question about it. So it's actually pretty easy to do. And if you have a moderately quiet backyard, I, you know, honestly, Dr. Sue from Sue Research was the first one. I had started doing it just by reading the original paper on it, which was really not definitely didn't spell things out adequately. There's a lot of confusion in the beginning of it. And so Dr. Sue said, Hey, we're getting different results from you. But I, but you know, he had been taught to do it by Don Keel, who's the guy who kind of invented it. And he said, you want to come over and, you know, Sue is over in LA. So I drove over there and he showed me, he had a significantly noisier environment than me because he was near a, a freeway, but um, he still didn't have any problem. And once I switched over, once I switched a couple of things over and did it more his and Don Keel's way, my results basically just matched his. Mm -hmm. Wow. So, yeah, so it's not that hard. And that's a, that's just such a robust measurement. It's not like, uh, you know, frequency response is so much harder to do. Yeah, it's so actually, maybe, maybe we need to explain what, what, what we're talking about the, with the CA 2010, because we're just going in and talking about it. I'm sure there are folks who are like, let's see. I mean, okay. I don't, I mean, CA 2010, right. California, like what, 13 years ago? Is that what we're, uh, <laughs> we're just talking about? It is. <laughs> um, it kind of, I don't think, I don't think 2010 had anything to do with it, but the, the date, I think it just happened to be the number that happened and it happened to, I, the whole thing happened right around 2010. So what happens is with subwoofers, right? You, um, one of the really easy things you could do to sort of cheat if you're a manufacturer is put a bass boost in it, right? So if you measure it, if you close mic a subwoofer, yeah. if you measure it like close in, you can, um, if you if you EQ it, you'll get a bass bump at low at low volume levels, right? But once you turn it up, either the driver or the amp or something's going to give out or or it's going to distort or who knows what, right? Um, so a lot of manufacturers were kind of cheating. And putting that little bump in there so that all the people that measured just their frequency response at low level were getting, oh, it's flat down to 15 hertz or something, which, no. But then once you actually do, once you actually crank it, you realize it didn't have any output at 15 hertz. So CEA 2010 was created to get past that. And it's based on the work of uh, Don Keel and Siegfried Linkwitz and Tom Nussain at Sound and Vision was doing kind of like an early... Uh, sort of a little bit seat of the pants version of it. Uh, but the idea is that the, the distortion in subwoofers has so much to do with the sound quality. And you don't really realize it's distorting because it doesn't sound like, right? Like a like we think of distortion sounding. Yeah. Um, it sounds more like, I'm not that good of a subwoofer <laughs> distortion imitator, but, and it also can just be like a, a lack of clarity and you and, and a lack of punch because the sub is not giving you that what it's supposed to do. It's kind of behaving really uh, sort of chaotically. So, um, but once you have what, so, so anyway, with CEA 2010, what you do is you start at a, a frequency. Let's say it's, it's 25 Hertz or something. Right. And you keep increasing the level and then you have an RTA display that shows you the fundamental Let's see if I can do this backwards. The fundamental, mm -hmm. right, which is your 25 hertz, and then it shows the distortion harmonic. So you'll see the next distortion harmonic at 50 hertz, 75, 
a hundred and and on down the line. And there are thresholds for each of those, like the the second harmonic at uh, fifty hertz for a twenty five hertz tone can only be it has to be no higher than minus ten dB below the fundamental. If it's any higher than that, you're over the threshold, and you you know, so you kind of keep raising the level until you're right under the thresholds for all those distortion harmonics. And then whatever the level, the fundamental is a hundred decibels or something like that, you record that. And then you do it for uh, the standard only mandates six frequencies, but a lot of people, you know, like, like Gene Delisal at Audioholics, I think goes down to 12.5 Hertz or something. And it's in third octave steps. So it's 20, 25, 31.5, 40, 50, and 63. But I find that those six frequencies tell me mm, pretty much everything I need to know. Oh, that sounds familiar, huh, Chana? Those those numbers. That's what we're using on our disc. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, so if I were to simplify it, it sounds like we're trying to get an idea of, you know, what frequencies can this subwoofer play realistically? Like, at a volume yeah, yeah. where it's not sounding like garbage, like yeah, totally. it, can, it can make that sound. But if it's all distortion, then it's not really doing it in a in a practical way. So this is yeah. a good test to see, like, is it actually uh, performing at 16 hertz without all kinds of distortion? It seems yeah. like that's what it's. Yeah. A and good you test. find that once you get these sort of monster subs from SVS or uh, Power Sound or Sue or somebody like that you start to hear how much better those sound than the little subs and you start to realize what's going on there. And the distortion is really the problem because so many of those subs have some output at 20 Hertz or 25, but a sub with like really solid output at 20 Hertz just sounds awesome. And not just from the shake, just from the, the, the punch, yeah. you know, punch. Yeah. And yeah. somebody's here saying it's not distortion. Just is, uh, he just said, um, but I, I think what uh, you were saying is that bass distortion is pretty easy to to hear if it's port chuffing, if it's, if well, yeah. it's uh, hitting hitting the limit of the excursion and the thing slamming against the magnet. That's pretty awesome. Well, okay, now those are also well. That's a that's the funnest part of <laughs> twenty ten. Is you're pushing these subwoofers past their limits by definition. You have to push them past their limits, mm -hmm. and. It's designed, the burp tones are, it's a 6.5 cycle uh, uh, windowed tone. So it's like a sine wave that looks like, wah, 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 right? And so they don't really damage the subwoofer. I've, I don't think I've ever had one. I think maybe like one time I had a sub that was damaged by it, but it, it kind of, it had some defect and it blew up. So... But you're pushing I've had, them, kind of, I've had them go into fault protect mode though. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But you're you're kind of pushing it past the limit. And that's where you start to get some of that chuffing and where you start to get the mechanical noises. That's one of the problems with the standard, is those actually don't show up as distortion harmonics. Oh wow. Yeah. Really? So you have to listen to it and kind of judge like is that an, well, any level of banging to me is obviously unacceptable because <laughs> then that's that's so different from what the subwoofer is supposed to sound like. But chuffing, you know, <laughs> you got it because you're going to hear a little of it. It's like how much how much is acceptable to you? That's that's still 
uh, you know, subjective, and that's up to the the operator to. But Brent, to but Brent, if it's, if it's if it's musical chuffing though, it's just musical. There's uh, a <laughs> well. There, I, I, I will say. I will say. There are some, you know, audiophile subs, subs that are kind of marketed to audiophiles that do pretty, that are touted as being musical, that do pretty poorly on CTA 2010. Why are you laughing? <laughs> really over poorly. Don't, don't drop any names. I see you wanting to. <clears throat> you, you stay. You just and chill. then you start to realize how much, the, you know, that's <laughs> when my, that's when you just start to realize that there's just, people can make crap and label it however they want to and sell it by, by saying it's more musical and mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, it's faster Brent. It's not sorry. It's, not. <laughs> it's fast. Oh, it's fast. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. fast. It's fast. It's subwoofer I've ever heard. <laughs> Case and rhythm on that sub. Aaron, come Wait on. Man. I, I have a question, Brent. I have a uh, question for you. Do subwoofers have inner detail? <laughs> only if they're only if they're very tiny and do very poorly on cta 2010 <laughs> and uh and if they get i was gonna say if they get good reviews and i was gonna name a publication <laughs> <laughs> but we can't edit it out so. yeah. <laughs> uh, oh that's what y'all edit out okay yeah. sometimes, they edit out the smack talk okay i get it sometimes i get it uh if they are well <laughs> if they're chocolatey if the subwoofer this is, is this is why this is why i say you know what look CTA 2010 is the gold standard. If someone does that, they understand subwoofers. And I'm not saying you can't understand subwoofers if you don't do that. Uh, Sound Division had a guy named David Vaughn. I don't know if he's still writing, but God, I've read his reviews in Sound Division. They read just like mine, except they didn't have measurements. Like he, he knew what was going on. He heard it. And um, so you, you can. I mean, but it's just kind of so many of these guys get fooled by marketing or by, you know, they think a big sub is necessarily slow and, mm -hmm. and they, and, and unmusical and it's for home theater and blah, 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 blah. Yeah. Yes. Texture, the texture and tone. And what is the texture? Texture. That's a great one. Base texture. Is it? Well, you know, so I think some of the stuff crunchy? Can <laughs> crunchy. It can be explained in measurement terms. You know, but I hear what do I hear a lot? Texture and tone, and the the, the thing just disappears, or like the the bass hits, and then it goes away real fast. You know, <laughs> something I hear those types it's, of things, and I'm like, no, no oh, speaker well. does that. I'm like, well, okay, you're it goes away fast. Okay, that has to do with how it interacts with the room. Okay, and then yes. texture and tone, like maybe if, <laughs> it, large. if it's a flatter response, then you, what I've noticed is people like, oh, there's more texture. Yeah, because all of them sound. You know, you can hear the differences. If you have a big old peak at 60 hertz, well, yeah, it's going to be, it's going to draw attention to itself. But when it's all even, oh, I didn't notice that there were these different notes. I'm like, yeah, that's, that's a flat response. So, so if someone says there's a, you know, a different texture to the bass with the subwoofer, mm -hmm. it could, could, could that we then equate that to a better frequency response and no big peaks? Is that, uh, do we have to decipher what's going on? Really? I would guess, and y'all, I would, I would like it if you chime in. 
<laughs> I would guess that if people are talking about the texture of a subwoofer, they are talking about stuff that is happening above the crossover point from your main speakers. Mm. Okay. Because the mm. all that's all that comes out of the subwoofer. And this is why I get so annoyed. It's um, something we can't necessarily hear, right? Uh, the thing is, like, the subwoofer is basically reproducing fundamental tones, and people are like, "Oh, there's all these harmonics coming out of the subwoofer." I'm like, "Not if it's unless it's distortion." <laughs> <laughs> you know, ideally, nothing should come out of your subwoofer above 80 hertz or whatever your crossover point is, right? So, if something's coming out of your subwoofer that's higher than that, that's wrong, and you know, everything should be piped into your main speakers and coming out of that and that's where you start to hear the detail of the basis you know the, the 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 subtleties of the basis fingering and plucking and things like that and the the sort of wah sound that you know like wah that like you know jaco pastorius has and um so i think that you know the vast majority of the character of the bass is coming out of the main speakers in my personal view yeah yeah yeah, well, it, it's kind of interesting because I'm not really making fun of these audiophile terms. It's more like I am trying to translate. Like, you know what? You are correct. I'm, I understand what you're saying. It's not exactly for the reasons you say, but I believe that what you're saying is true. It's yeah. just I need to kind of convert that into something like, actually, that correlates with this measurement. And they're like, oh, oh, I, I get it. They understand. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, like, I, I, that's like, the route I would rather go. I'd rather, you know, try to try to you know show each other. Like I understand what you're saying. I understand what he's saying. You're both saying the same things, and this is you know look at the measurement, listen to what this guy's saying, and they you know, I I didn't get to actually hear uh, Dennis's opinion about you know what makes for a great review. But and oh, let me add this, without saying any names or make you know dropping any names because we can't edit this, but. What trends do you not like to see in reviews? Maybe maybe trends that have been going on for a long time, or maybe some that are new and are you know specific to YouTube. So, kind of curious. Me, for me, I I um, one of the biggest problems I have is we've got all of this. Well, we've already made reference to this this terminology that doesn't really mean anything. The inner detail and the you know microdynamics and all of that crap. And what disturbs me is to see fresh new people coming in who have the opportunity to learn how this stuff actually works and who have an honest opinion and an honest evaluation, but maybe they don't know what a, what a speaker review should look like or a CD player review should look like. And so they go read a lot of the old guard and they're talking about, you know, inner detail and and just crap terminology and they think well i have to pick that up or i won't sound legit but they don't know what it means because the people they stole it from don't know what it means and so you just end up with meaningless reviews mm -hmm. it, it, it it's it's a it's a cycle of 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 crap piling on top of crap and it, it's I don't know how we do away with it other than other than just, you know, reject it and make fun of it or or try to find these people like Brent did with me. Try to find these people and mentor them and don't let them get into those traps and don't let them be swayed by the people who don't actually know what the heck they're talking about. Right. So so if you want to ask me the disturbing trends that I'm seeing, that's one. But I mean, hell, that's that's been going on for what? <laughs> as, as long as there's been hi-fi publications. Yeah. So. Um, 
Yeah. So that's not not new, huh? Nope. Oh, what man. makes a good review? For yeah. me, I'll tell you, my favorite review that I've encountered lately was was Aaron's Dutch and Dutch review from what was that a couple of years ago? Oh. Nice. When did you do that one, Aaron? When did you do Probably the been Dutch about and Dutch? three years, I guess. Yeah, we made reference to that in the next episode of the podcast. And one of the cool things that, that, you know, one of the best things about that was when you were talking about uh, in-room response predictions from the anechoic measurements, right? You could do the, you could show what the the calculated in-room response would be. And then you compared to the the actual in-room response and you made these things, which I think in a lot of cases can be theoretical or hard to understand, very concrete and very relatable and very understandable. You were talking about the effects of your couch and the effects of your rug. And you were doing what I said Brent did so well back in the 90s that really pulled me in. You you said, if I can explain this to you, you don't need me, <laughs> right? And yeah. I'd appreciate you to keep coming, but I want you to know this stuff, not just take my word for it. So that to me is what makes a good review. I appreciate that. Hey. That's oh, an awesome speaker, too, by the way. Yeah. Oh, there it is. There it is. Go, Aaron. <laughs> are you feeling better, man? How are you feeling? Scale of 1 to 10, because you're getting over COVID. Much better. COVID-wise, like, pretty much. But my back is jacked up, dude. Really? I've got a full on right now. It's a, it's a, it's <laughs> dude, a new symptom. New COVID symptom. New COVID lower back symptoms, pain. The lower back pain. <laughs> no, I tweaked my back before I went on vacation. And then when I was on vacation, I continued to ride all of these roller coaster rides with my daughter and I told my doctor, he was like, that was dumb. I was like, yeah, dude, I know. Just fix me. <laughs> yeah, I don't need a lecture. I need lifting heavy things, putting it on the clip. Like, oh, I got yeah. the move. Oh. Yeah. oh, man. Yeah, don't lift anything crazy. I'm trying not. Um, yeah, okay. All right. Uh, anything else about like correlating subjective I mean, and measurements because i think that's that's really are, are, one of the reasons why i wanted to talk to you guys because are, are we gonna when somebody says they hear angels are we gonna equate that to just uh a boost in their 10 to 12k region oh that's 10 to 12K. Adds, 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 adds like some air everybody knows, 7K. everybody knows oh. angels is 7k Come oh, 7k uh, okay Dennis. i stand yeah, correct okay <laughs> sorry <laughs> yeah yeah we're just playing around we're just screwing around uh, no, having no, fun. angels really are at 7K. Oh, and the harmonics, or well, you know, 14K, mm-hmm. etc. Uh, you know, I've got a question for you guys, and I just was just now thought of this off the top, but I'm curious: uh, Have y'all run into any cases where you've done a review and a manufacturer has just like tried to eviscerate you because of it? Mm-hmm. I want to hear details. If yes. Else, you don't have to name. You don't have to name the manufacturer, but I'm just curious because so far, I I don't recall having run into that. I've had people come back and say, "Hey, we we do measurements and we got this thing. So let's do you mind helping us try to understand like why we're different, either if it's our fault or if it's me, like my fault." And um, but so far, I haven't had had anybody like come out swinging on me and threaten legal action. But I'm curious what what you guys have experienced because I've heard stories. I, I haven't had anybody threaten legal action. I know Brent has had quite a bit of that, but I, I mean, it just, just a, I, I, this is the, this, there was a speaker review that made me think I'm probably just going to not do speaker reviews anymore because I did a review. It had all sorts of problem, all sorts of diffraction problems. Like mm. the vertical dispersion was just embarrassingly bad. I had to, I have a steel case Amia 
seat in which I do a lot of my listing. I let the thing all the way down. I still could not get myself low enough. Like I literally had to go get a beanbag chair to sit and listen to this tower speaker or it would rip my face off of my skull. Right. And, and the, there was like a weird thing where the, um, the, the it, it had a strange recessed baffle and, um, and, and like a speaker grill, like a really thick grill that would fit into it. It was just, it was a night. It was like, the radiation patterns from this thing must have been lenticular. And, you know, I did my evaluation of it. Some month later, it went to the NRC to be measured. Um, and yeah, the manufacturer really hammered me to the wall, like just really questioning every observation that I made, every objective observation that I made, you know? And I talked about a lot of the stuff that the speaker did well. There was a lot that I liked about it, but just the things that I said bad about it, they they didn't want anybody to say anything bad about their speaker. And that ended up being like a 15-page email thread. Um, so luckily, I had the support of a good publisher and, and um, you know, good. didn't have to deal with it. But yeah, I mean, yeah, manufacturer came at me hard for that one. Mm. Brent, you've got horror stories, I'm sure. I could go on for a long time. <laughs> I have to, the hard part is figuring out which ones to pick. Um, I do remember there was a uh, oh, there was a speaker manufacturer one time, well-known speaker manufacturer that wasn't used to getting bad reviews. And actually, I was uh, it was at Home Theater Magazine, and I had been uh, I had been kind of displaced at Home Theater Magazine because they had like a new like number two guy coming in and running the company, and he. I think didn't like my vibe. And so he brought in like another editor and then I became like the measurement guy, which is good because I learned how to measure. So, uh, and they bought me some measurement gear. So um, anyway, that editor proved to not be great and uh, they brought me back. And so... Um, <laughs> One of my writers called me, who, who you know, I, I had a good relationship with, called me up and said, hey, they have this speaker system in here. Uh, should I review it? They, that they called in. I'm kind of like, why they call that thing in? And I said, well, I, I don't know. I haven't heard anything from them in a long time. Why not? Sure. And uh, he wrote a review. It was a really scathing review. And, but he was a young writer who didn't really... Didn't know how to back up his stuff. And so I got the thing. I measured it. It measured kind of wackadoodle. And uh, and I listened to it. I'm kind of like, oh, this thing sucks. And by the by that time, there were like a lot of uh, – that company hadn't changed their product in many years. Uh, other companies had come along. And by virtue of better design, you know, driven by the Canadian research and everything, mm -hmm. better design uh, – uh, you know, uh, you know, new good new uh, play amps coming in from China and things like that. They come up with a, a better system that was that was like much cheaper. And so I ran a, I we always sent the reviews to the manufacturers fact checking. I sent it. Uh, the PR person called me up, threatened me, and um, and I said, uh, and you know. And they were like, well, you better not run this. And I oh. said, well, you know, <laughs> if you're, you know, if, 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 uh, if your client's going to pull all their ads, we're ready for that. And, uh, and this was uh, about a quarter million bucks a year worth of ads, by the way. Oh, wow. And, um, 
because I, I had actually talked to the head of the company and said, hey, we got this coming up. Uh, he's like, yep, go with it. Just, you know. And um, so so the, this person was like, well, you, you know, it's going to be worse than that. I'm like, well, what are you going to do? Like take a hit out on me or something? <laughs> and so, uh, you know, or, or yeah, you know, I'm like, you know, then I said, like, you know, and, and, you know, we're we're prepared for them to sue us as well. And then she threatened me with worse than lawsuits with whatever. But anyway, so. So I said, well, wow. fine, you know, send them down and I'm happy to to demonstrate the system to them versus uh, the competitors that we prefer. I did. They sent three engineers down, three PR people or marketing slash PR. And I played them their system. And then I played them the competing system that was, let's say their system was, I don't know, 1200, 1400, something like that. And the competing system was 800. And I was watching the engineers faces and I played them that, that $800 system. I'm like, I got them. I got them. They cannot walk out of this room and tell me their that system didn't sound at least as good as theirs. And they kind of the engineers were honest. They were like, well, that, you know, that's, that's a really good system. And um, you know, and then they uh, they ended up pulling their ads anyway. But um, wow. you know, I had to face. I was not ready for it either. Technically, I was not where I am now. And I, uh, I mean, I got. Oh my! I just yeah, it's just my career of being threatened by people and and having people push back on reviews is is pretty. Now nobody does it because I think <laughs> they just <laughs> they, my reputation precedes me, and and they know I'm kind of a crank. And um, but oh yeah, I've had. I mean, we when I was at Video Magazine review, we reviewed, we did the first reviews of THX speaker systems, and. The first reviews were pretty good because you know no one had even thought out a home theater system at that time, right? It was like all brand new. And so we're kind of like, wow, somebody actually tried to do this. But then we did the second generation of them and we're kind of like, well, you know, fine, but other people are doing stuff and these don't sound so great for music. And they had some, again, if I had my technical chops then that I have now, it would have been different, but I, I, I got, they really fought back on it. And, uh, but the good, the good part of that is where that's where Tony Grimani and I became friends. Cause he was, uh, yeah, we've he was, a, he was assigned to play good cop because <laughs> he was working for THX at the time. Oh, okay. And, uh, and he was assigned to play good cop. So he was, he was, uh, he was nice and he was fine yeah. and he was wonderful to deal with. And he and I became friends and, um, and, and, yeah, now he's so now now you have you you learned how to do better measurements so it's yeah. like better better measurements through research yeah the thing is we were the thing is everything we were saying like about those systems with stuff other people were saying other people in the industry were saying they just weren't saying it out loud like mm -hmm. the other speaker manufacturers and and i was starting to get to know vance dickerson at the time and people like that and, you know famous speaker designer mm. author of the loudspeaker design cookbook and i was learning enough and i knew enough to know like you know what we're on solid ground here even if i can't really 100 percent prove it whereas you know now uh yeah, nobody, yeah. nobody, nobody messes with me anymore. <laughs> I don't know if anybody caught that. Better, better measurements through research. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, anyway. that's the whole idea. <laughs> um. So, what else do we got here? I know we're yeah. So here's another question. Follow, kind of follow up to the how to be a better reviewer. What would you say is the importance of being entertaining? Like this is we were talking about measurements. 
But for them to even listen. So dentist? Yeah, I mean, look, I think ultimately you want people to read your measurements. You want people to read your objective analysis. You want people to read and learn and understand a product. And I, and yeah, you can, you can have your technical chops nailed down all day long, but if you're not keeping them hooked, if you're not entertaining them, then, you know, you're just not, I mean, I remember Brent <laughs> gave me a lot of guidance and a lot of, of mentorship in my early days of writing. And I remember there was one particular, like, preamp review that I did and I was really nervous about it and whatever and I didn't even mention the product for like the first three paragraphs and he read it and he was like this is the best review I've ever read or something to that effect and it was just he and what he said was it was just because it was entertaining now I mean I I think you have to have a balance I mean I think if you're just all fluff then what are people there for but there's there's got to be a balance of both yeah you've got to keep people hooked and then when they're hooked and you, you, you got them and you're rubbing their belly and they're happy, then you sneak some knowledge in on them, man. Wow. Wow. So what are some there tricks to make it entertaining, though? Like, you know, a lot of these guys that I, I see, you know, they're entertaining in, in that maybe they do some nice B-roll or um, maybe the stuff that they're saying is very flowery. You know, there are different ways to be entertaining. But how are you – what's the way that you can be entertaining and still objective? Because it's almost like – it almost seems like – it's very easy to get boring when you're just talking about objective stuff. It's real easy. Yeah. Like, okay, this is what it is. And, uh, okay, that's it. The end. I think if you're excited about it though, it's a little easier to, to convey that to be exciting. <laughs> I mean, I think when you get bored with something that's going to come yeah. across, yeah. right? Yeah. If you get burnt out on some, I got burnt out on, on home automation. I, I right now, I don't think I could write an entertaining home, home like, automation review to save my life just because I've gotten to the point to where I just don't have that passion for it anymore. It's like I've got my home working top notch. What else do I need? I just don't have that drive. Right. And, and that comes through mm. in my writing. Right. So if you have passion for it, it's going to come through. You're like, think, well, you press the button and the shutters go up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> See, I think my issue is. Like I said, my background is in sales, so I know how to sell. I, I feel like I can influence people to buy something like naturally. I, I know how to do that. And so I'm trying not to do that almost in some of my reviews. Like I don't want somebody to to just buy because I said, hey, this thing is great. I'm excited about it. But maybe it's not right for you specifically. When I'm in sales, when you're selling to someone, you get to hear what their specific use case is. And right. you tailor your answer to what they're what they need to that particular person on YouTube. I don't know who's watching, so I can't just say, "Oh, this is the best." Well, I don't know who who's the best for. I don't know who I'm even who's watching. So that's kind of the issue. Is like I try to almost unsell, and in doing that, I feel like maybe I'm a little bit I'm not as exciting as I could be because I'm trying not to be so enthusiastic. Like I really like this thing. I really think you guys should buy it, you know, so that's the well, tricky part for me. I think it's good, though, sometimes to, I mean, you know what you're talking about. It's not like, you know, it's your, your recommendation, I'm sure, is a good one. And I think it's as long as you're not 
you know, quote unquote, selling the product, I think it's mm. fine to be in. I think it's good to be enthusiastic. I mean, if you were just like, yeah, I mean, look, the old issues of like Stereo Review back in like the 70s and 80s and 90s and are really kind of the whole history of the magazine. Um, it was so boring to read because they didn't get excited about anything. It's like, yeah, mm. here's the speaker and it does whatever and this and something and uh, it's fine. If you, you know, if you were looking for a speaker, this is one to consider. <laughs> and it had no passion. And that's what uh, that's what kind of built my career is that, um, you know, I, I didn't I didn't have a direction in my career until I started reading Stereophile. When Stereophile was like the digest size, they were like like they used to, you know, little tiny book and. It just the and the people that were in there were enthusiastic about audio and they were really interested and passionate about it and they had opinions and that I read that and I'm kind of like well if somebody can translate this into product categories that uh, you know average people would care about as opposed to your you know big giant you know exotic tower speakers and tube amps and stuff if someone could translate this into into normal products that would be good and that's kind of what we did at home theater magazine is we kind of just took the stereophile approach and and applied it to i don't know you know vcrs <laughs> <laughs> um and it worked and i i think it's i think really the personal the personal passion and engagement is what comes through and so if you're you know, it's like if you, I mean, I, I'm a reasonably entertaining writer, I think, but if you ask me to review, uh, uh, exacto knives, right? I wouldn't, I wouldn't be a good exacto knife reviewer because I'd be like, I don't know, go to Home Depot and buy whatever. <laughs> you know, yeah. and there are people that are that are like passionate about you know things like tools and stuff, and and you want to read them, not me, because they're going to get excited about the Got best it. drill where I'm like, yeah, hey, you know, the drills are fine. Just get whatever. <laughs> you know? I got it. You have to include the passion and you have to let the passion about the topic, not necessarily even the, the product, maybe yeah. just the topic or the, you know, you have to show that. All right. I'll maybe make you sure hate you the product. You know, maybe you passionately hate that product mm. and that's yeah. good. You know, that's good that, you know, what, what is, what are your positive opinions worth? Okay. If you don't have some negative, if you like everything, mm -hmm. what's that that's worth? Right. Right. So you got to okay. let some of the, the, some subjectivity actually is really what it is. Yeah. You have to let it show, but it needs to be, well, I prefer that it's backed up with data also. Yes. I mean, to me, that strength strengthens the, uh, the argument. So, okay. All right. That's that's pretty much what I was looking for. So now I'll know to add that to my prompt when I go into chat GPT. Make sure <laughs> to make it sound passionate. That's right. That the person's passionate about it. Boom, boom, boom. Oh, yeah. Thank chat you, guys. Yeah. We, we're done Everybody's now. savior. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I, Dennis, I sent you something earlier about a speaker I reviewed. And I said it right from the beginning of the review. I'm like, uh, this is a sponsored video, which a lot of people don't do, and that's fine. I don't mind because I do measurements. So, so 
I said straight up, uh, this is sponsored. And then I got a comment from somebody like who said uh, immediately when I heard it was sponsored, then I, I just, I didn't watch the rest. I'm like, okay, well, that's fair. I mean, that's yeah. your decision. I gave you the option. That's the option you chose. That's fair. Um, but it's funny. Cause I said, well, then the very first thing I did was showed the measurements and started kind of crapping on the speaker. <laughs> So I said, you didn't really crap on it, though, Joe. I, I don't think you crapped on it. I think you just, I, you you said, here is what it is. Here is, you know, and, and the thing is, that might be fine for some people. I mean, there probably is somebody out there yeah. who watched your review and thought, well, Joe didn't like this. But, mm. you know, that, I think that might be the right speaker for me, you know, because of price and form factor and what have you. Yeah. So I don't think you crapped on it. I just think you gave an honest assessment of it. And honestly, you kept me from reviewing that speaker because I was going to oh, no. get it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So, like, I gave, so it was this Fluence AI81, and I gave it a C+. And I just saw a comment where somebody's like, this is not a grading something. Like, they were mad that I gave it a plus. Like, <laughs> you know. And another thing that I did that was kind of a, a different approach is I, I put a poll up on my YouTube channel, and I said, what grade would you give it? And by far, everybody gave it a C based on the measurement. So I'm like, well, I was, you know, I graded it, you graded it. We kind of came to the same conclusion. You know, there were hundreds of uh, votes. So I thought that was interesting. But um, yeah, the, I, what I showed you, Dennis, is afterwards, they emailed me like, hey, thanks for the review. They're like, yeah. I know that they're like, I know that you can't love everything. And I thought it was honest and we're going to try to do better. I'm like, and we're, and we would like to work with you in the future. I'm like, that's what I'm saying. Like people are too scared to be yeah. honest. And I kept telling Dennis about integrity. It's like, then, then don't me. who cares? Like if you're, if, if a company's not going to want me to review their stuff because I was honest, I don't think I want to review their stuff anymore. Yeah, anyway. Right. So thanks. Thanks. Like it works out. It, it's good that they wanted they wanted a second shot, dude. They wanted to see if we they can raise that to a B minus. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and I was saying, dude, yeah. They, they they took us out to C, uh at CES, right? Yeah. We went to dinner. I think you ordered some drinks. <laughs> I drove. I was the only one ordering drinks. I'm like, oh yeah, Pinot Noir. Let's go. Like, <laughs> and then, then I'm like looking around. I'm like, oh crap, did I do the wrong thing here? <laughs> oh well. But still, the the review is the review. Like I can like the company. I can like the people. But the product is the product. You want me to review the product or you want me to review the people? You know? Yeah. So to me, it's pretty simple. Yep. Um, anyway. Anyway, to me, there's something to do with uh, integrity. And I, I, I've heard you guys mention before in the podcast, on your podcast, that, uh, you know, sometimes you just have to leave a company. Like, well, is that, if that's how you guys roll, well, I'm sorry. That's not how I do it. Mm. Yeah. And so uh, I know that you we're on the same page when it comes to that sort of stuff. Like I'm not, right. I, I'm not going to bend when it comes to certain stuff I, like that. I, I've got, I've got a quick topic mm. to move mm. away from this reviewer thing. Okay. okay. Let's go. Let's do All it. right. Hey, you guys have been around this world for around, around this audio home theater thing for a long, oh, quite some time. So um, I'm sure you've seen a whole lot of innovation. And what about, what about now? What what do you see? How do you see home audio, home theater innovating in the next, I don't know, five, ten years? Mm. I got one for you. Okay. Um, this is happening right now. So this I'm, I'm not too brilliant 
to bring this up, but um, the whole thing of having your your uh, true wireless earphones automatically react to your environment and optimize themselves for whatever's going on is just starting to happen. Um, and I'm getting ready to do an article for Audio Express about this right now. Um, about how, you know, you're, I mean, Apple's already doing this to some extent. Sony's doing it to some extent where the, uh, the earphones, you know, listen to your environment. And so if you're in an airplane, it'll automatically turn on the noise canceling and it'll crank mm. the noise canceling. Um, if you're in a relatively quiet office, it'll like open up the transparency so you can hear other people talking to you um or if you're at like a rock concert it'll clamp everything down to protect your hearing and this is really in its infancy right now and nobody's really to my knowledge got it working just right but like apple's definitely in moving in that direction and i really think that's going to be exciting when and then they can also adjust the frequency response for different situations, mm. right? So I think th I'm really excited about that right now. Okay. Dennis, what, what are you excited about? It, you know, you know, we mentioned earlier that I am not the target audience for soundbars. And yet I do <laughs> review quite a few of them. And uh -huh. a lot of my friends have soundbars. So for me, I think what would be interesting to see is more legitimate room correction in soundbars. Ah. Um, I know LG was doing some stuff with some AI room correction. But... I just reviewed a JBL soundbar that kind of had a room correction thing, but it was not really what I would consider room correction. It was really just more about balancing the sound of the surround speakers based on what it was hearing from the main soundbar and balancing the levels. But I think if you could get some good, legitimate... Um, room correction into soundbars that would change people's lives or, uh, you know, affect people's lives well, for the better. No, none of this is going to change anybody's <laughs> life, but it would be a positive impact on people's lives. And I would like to see AI employed in room correction. I, I, I would like it to see basically it, 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 it sort of putting the reins on room correction to a degree. I, I have a philosophy and, and I, when I employ room correction, I typically like to go to like the Schroeder frequency of the room and go about two octaves up and above that no room correction. Right. Cause it's few and far between are the room correction systems that can do anything meaningful with frequencies that high anyway. But if you could have like, if you could have an AI room correction system that would analyze the in-room response and go, here is where we are switching over from, you know, uh, standing waves to reflected sound. And I'm going to cut off there, right? I think that would be a legitimately interesting application of AI. Unfortunately, I think they're just going to be using AI to write the press release for this crowd. But, <laughs> but, but if somebody does it and makes it work, I think that would be really, right. really interesting. And it would be a way to get better sound into the lives of more people that are in my life who are not super, super hardcore into the technology. So. Well, I, I, I think uh, there's a great opportunity here, Dennis, because mm -hmm. you were talking about how much or how many soundbars you review and, you know, your neighbors have a lot of soundbars. And since you are, you know, kind of like the 
sound bar guy, you should just come up with one and call it the burger bar. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> you go sit in the corner, sir. <laughs> I like it. You're on timeout for that one. <laughs> yeah, well, I, you I, know. I wrote that down like like an hour ago <laughs> during the, when you started talking about sound bars. I'm like, oh, the burger bar. That would be awesome. So, yeah, I had to mention it. Let's do it, Dennis. Well, you know, you know. I'm all into DSP. I have that app that I'm very soon, very soon, maybe like a few weeks. I'll have a beta version. Dennis, Ooh. maybe I can have you or Brent, you know, both of you test it out. Uh, yeah. But it is uh, for room calibration. Yeah. A different method of, of finding the target curves hmm. based on actual measurements, based on your actual room and your actual speakers. And uh, I think you're going to, I think when you see the method, you're like, ah, that makes sense. I'm excited about it. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm very excited. So I think that will change a lot of things because it does work with Dirag. It works with Odyssey. So quick plug for, for that. I'm, that's something I'm excited about. Like I know, you know, it's not really cool to be plugging your own stuff, but I, I can't help it. That's I what mean, I think if about. You're, if you're your own channel to plug your own stuff. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, guess, I, guess, I guess you know. I guess that's true. I mean, can I can I plug it? I've used it a few times. No, yeah, yeah, yeah you great. did great. And we're gonna get um, we're changing out the carpet to hardwood floors in the living room, so I'm gonna have to recalibrate again, obviously. So, um, well, you yeah. did it yourself. You you did it yourself this time. I did it myself. Time, we yeah. did it. It took six hours or so. Yeah, doing the full now, manual. Now with the that app, was like, like twenty minutes. You have the app. Go do it. Call me if you have any issues. And you're like, oh, he did it. Yeah. Like, That's awesome. Yeah. yeah and so, then I did. Uh, I calibrated my seven one four Atmos mixing studio here with it as well. So, yeah, I'm I'm a fan of the Magic Beans. That yes, yes. that's it. <laughs> yeah, I've done it for a few people. I've done it for. For Chana, Reverend Slim, I did his system. So we still have to work on yours, Reverend Slim. You didn't have the U mic, so we're we're doing some experimental stuff. But um, yeah, excited about all that. Um, real quick, I, I want to plug your podcast again because really, I think it's the this is the best audio podcast that I listen oh, to. Oh, thank so, you. AudioUnleashed.podbean.com and YouTube.com forward slash at AudioUnleashed. Anything else? Anything else that... Uh, Did we have some starred things here? What yeah, let's go through those real quick. And if uh, you guys have to go like right now, then yeah, let me yeah. know because oh, I'm good. Just do a rapid fire of these starred comments. Shauna, uh, uh, did you choose a new subwoofer yet? No. No. I haven't. I haven't. I'm, um, I'm messing around with that per listen one right now. Um and then Dennis needs to do voiceover work. He has already be a villain in some animated <laughs> animated universe. Yeah. Um, Bodie, uh, Billy P says, I have boxes of my old home theater magazine in my closet. Uh, Jonesy said, uh, Joe and Aaron are engaging because of their integrity and quick wit. Chana is an entertainer. I would watch him review vacuums. True story. Uh, true story. All the way across. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Jared says Brent is an AV legend. Also right. true. Yes. Also. Yes. Very true. That's nice. <laughs> Joey says, uh, asks, have you ever measured a speaker that was not favorable, but you liked the way it sounded? Mm, oh, interesting. I like that one. I like yes. that. One. Yes. Yes. So okay. it is possible. 
Can it be explained why why you liked it? Can measurements explain why you possibly liked it? Oh, you know, Floyd Toole could probably look at him or Sean Olive and figure it out. I can't. Uh, hmm. I, I have I have measured. Uh, I've tried quite a few speakers that. Um, if something measures good, speakers wise, it's if it measures good, it sounds good. Mm. If it measures bad, it might sound bad. It might sound good, uh, depending on your own personal biases and tastes and who knows what. And um, but you know, I remember I tested an earthquake. I I tested like a, I think it was a definitive technology or some something really good speaker. You know, this is like. 15 years ago or something. And uh, it measured perfectly. You know, it's Canadian designers. It's measured perfectly. It sounded great. And I had this earthquake speaker that was pretty wacky. And I, I, and I took it apart. And it was made like really cheap and everything. And it measured pretty bad. But I really liked it. You know, I mean, <sighs> there have been a few of those where I'm like, you know, I just, it's not, I see its flaws, but I still like it. So can yeah. happen any, so any particular speakers that you remember like oh this didn't measure very well but for some reason i just i like it well that yeah. earthquake and um uh some bmws uh there's a lot more variation in bmw i think than in, at least mm. in my experience there's a lot more variation in bmw than there is in a lot of other brands mm. um I think any particular ones Less of a consistent signature. You know, I haven't reviewed one of their speakers for a long time. Mm. So probably anything would have been uh, anything I liked would have been. Uh, oh, what was it like the DM10 or something? It was something CM10 okay. or something 10. I'm kind of like, boy, this doesn't measure as flat as my Revels, but it, I like certain things about the sound better. Are those the um, custom install ones? No, I, I probably have the model number wrong. It was something 10. Okay. Um, but it was a tower speaker. It was not like a super expensive one. It was, okay. it was expensive, but it wasn't like crazy. It was like maybe 5,000 bucks or something or 4,000. Um, but, you know, there have been a few here and there. And, and you know, yeah, there, there have been a few. I don't hate everything that measures bad. Mm. Okay. How about you, Dennis? Yeah, I was just digging through my old reviews trying to find the name of the speaker because I know somebody's going to ask me, but it was a weird, like, single driver thing, which normally not a fan of, but I just loved the sound of it for whatever reason. It was idiosyncratic. It was strange, but it kind of turned me on, man. Until, what, what size is this, uh, uh, the single it like driver? A, it was like a stand mount speaker with a single, I don't know, five inch maybe four and a half five oh, okay. inches, something like that i don't know but uh, and i think it had like a wizard cone i don't remember this and i don't know it happened before <laughs> yesterday but it was it was kind of neat and kind of funky and kind of interesting with a lot of stuff but i tell you what uh, it's it's with that stuff i often find that if it's weird and idiosyncratic and i'm digging it at some point i will run across a piece of music that will make me not dig it and with that speaker uh. it was queen's radio gaga like radio gaga was just unfreaking listenable on that speaker <laughs> right and it's because when you're when you're deviant when you are when you're doing something weird and idiosyncratic eventually you're gonna you're gonna run into a point where you're effectively remixing the song right, mm -hmm. right. sometimes that works and then you'll find you'll find a tune where it's just like <clears throat> wow this does not work so yeah 
I, I hear that. Yeah, so like for me, I'm a sucker for a, you know a speaker with good bass extension. Like it doesn't have to be the flattest, but if the it has a pretty decent tonal balance mm -hmm. and good bass extension, especially for the size, I'm like I I tell people I'm like I'm a sucker for that. So mm -hmm. if you look at the measurement, maybe the the top end is not going to look so pretty, but because it has a deep ba bass extension, I'm like I'm enjoying this. The type of music I listen to, it just works for that. So it's kind of like a bias that I have. But I try to let people know, like, hey, this is this is just what I like. Yeah, but that's that's a bias. That's I mean, like Floyd Toole told me one time, he said, "Base wins," in terms yeah. of like a <laughs> blind comparison test. Yeah. yeah. So it's a bias that that pretty much we all have. And he he told me on the phone. He said, uh, uh, "Like too much base is the forgivable sin." <laughs> yeah. yeah. You can always knock it down, right? Yeah. <laughs> oh man. All right, Tim Perry asks, what speakers and channel count are Brent and Dennis rocking? Bonus points for electronics list two. Could be a long list. Dennis? <laughs> it's funny. I was just talking about that with Joe last night. I tend to be a little bit modular in my main media room because a lot of times I write for a publication called Cinelux and I will review films on either streaming or Kaleidoscape and... I need to review them in Atmos. I will, I will literally hang speakers from the ceiling. But for my own personal listening pleasure, I do not like Atmos movies. And I, I, should, I, should, I should correct myself here. I have nothing against Atmos as a technology. I hate the way most Atmos movies are mixed because I think they're overbearing and distracting. So when I am reviewing a film, I will hang four overhead speakers and I'll be doing in the main media room 5.2.4 with a Marantz uh, AV8805 processor, um, all Anthem uh, amplification. Uh, my sources are Kaleidoscape Strato, uh, Roku Ooh. Ultra, uh, NVIDIA Shield Pro. Um, and then I have gaming systems in there too. And in the bedroom, I typically do either 5.2.4 or 5.4.4 except again uh, most of the time i just take the overhead speakers down because i just don't <laughs> I don't like them so <laughs> um and in there it's a revolving door of whatever receiver i'm reviewing i do receivers in the bedroom because it's really really hard to do them in the main media room right and then in my two channel listening room i typically use a um a class a integrated amp and i've got some wonderful paradigm uh, Studio 100 V5 towers that I love, and a an SVS PB 1000 Pro subwoofer. So, no, very good. My my system's a little bit different um, <laughs> since I have to. I work for Wirecutter, and that's a, a constant churn of gear. And so I have, and you know, we kind of try to do comprehensive reviews of a category. And to try to keep them up to date. So I have a constant churn of sound bars and Bluetooth speakers coming in and out of my house. And uh, right now I have three or four sound bars in my living room. I can't remember which one I'm listening to. Um, I think this Phillips one. I don't know what it is. <laughs> uh, it sounds good, though. It sounds good. Um, like me trying to remember dates. <laughs> I kind of yeah. ah, try to like I kind of just keep churning them and 
get some real world experience with them and kind of you know keep notes and everything and then i finally sit down and do a serious comparison of them at some point um i do have a stereo room where i do i don't do a lot of stereo equipment testing but right now i have triangle audio uh borea bro3 bookshelf speakers which i Ooh. which are fantastically good and they're filthy cheap and i mean they measure dead on they sound fantastic they're just great speakers and um and you i think you get them for four or five hundred a pair and i also have i just tested a bunch of amps like cheap amps and i ran measurements on them and everything and so and some some cheap amps you know the measurements are pretty bad but i found there's a uh, one from dayton audio called the dta 100 uh hang on just a sec mm -hmm. that's that's one that they have yeah, is well, it a mono one? It's right back here. Give me a sec. Yeah. Hey, uh, um, Dennis, we need yeah, to get buddy. you one of these. Oh yeah, man. Spatial audio toolkit. Maybe, maybe a little bit of calibration could get those heights not so uh, distracting. Yeah. Maybe. It's gonna balance. Maybe. Maybe. <laughs> if I could just get them to where I couldn't hear them, that would be great. <laughs> Interesting. We'll see. <laughs> see what we can do. Yeah. Okay, I got my amp. Okay, let's okay. see. Okay, hold on a second. Let's see. The 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 it's microphone. Down, oh, that. Oh, okay, oh, okay. that's okay. different than what I was thinking. Oh so yeah. This thing, so this thing's like a, a legit. However many watts it's supposed to be. And <laughs> <laughs> actually, it's HCA one hundred. I think by that they mean hundred total. And mm. if I recall correctly, it measured like fifty one per channel. And into eight ohms, mm. both channels driven. That's way more than you need. Yeah, uh, which is fine. And it's got these cool tubes, and that the tubes really probably don't do anything. I mean, some signal passes through them, but whatever. And it's mm. got like meters, and it's got like um, like a phono input, and it's got a DAC input on the back. Live review right is, here. This thing is like <laughs> I don't know. I, I can't remember if it was two hundred bucks. Wow. 250 something and mm. um you know it's 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 a it's a hybrid it's solid state and tube preamp i guess but i really like this little thing and um is that just a tube buffer it's like or is it using it for yeah power? yeah, yeah okay. I, I i don't think it's uh they're probably doing some game with the tubes i would guess why not you know you can yeah and um but I it's got a headphone jack. It's kind of got like all the features. To me, this is like, you know, remember, you remember NAD, you would have like the 3020 integrated amp mm -hmm. that everybody loved because it was cheap. It was like 300 bucks at the time or whatever. And it sounded really good and it worked fine. And it was like 20 watts a channel, but that was enough. And this thing to me is like that. And if you look at it, it's not like crappy either. It's not made like junky or anything like that. It's really nice. Yeah. So it's not that heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Nice, um, but uh, it, but it's not a piece of junk, and I I love that. And you can pair it up with a good set of speakers like those triangles, and you are you know ninety percent of the way there to to. So, so you're not rocking those rebels. Last time when I was somebody was joking, like, yeah, I've been to your house several times, and uh, none of the times you were home or something like that. But, uh, <laughs> But um, uh, I, I finally sold them. I never used them. Really? I, I only used them for testing, and I just got tired of. I moved into a much smaller house. Oh, okay. and 
I had to, when I moved from LA, I had to get rid of some stuff. And mm. especially because, you know, wire cutter, you're, you're just piled with boxes all the time. I know and that. I'm like, you know what? These things are sitting around and I only use them for an amp test once a year, frankly. Mm. As much as I like them, I just, in my in my job, I don't have time to have a system that I like, oh. I think is the way I would put it. That- it hurts my feelings. Um, mm-hmm. My, you know, my my system that my indulgence system is my. I have ten Hi-Fi T3 Plus earphones, which are like seventy nine bucks. They're really good, and then I have the little Bluetooth attachments for them, which are from KZ, and they're like forty dollars. Mm. That's a really good sounding little system, and that's what I put on when I'm like in the library working on articles and. Uh, I play that and it just, I get so much joy from it. And those, those earphones are 95% of what the best ones are. In my opinion, they measure beautifully. They sound great. I mean, they, wow. You know. Hey, can I respond to a comment that just popped up? Yeah. Reverend Slim was saying that guardians of the galaxy three had really solid Atmos with, uh, with good overhead effects without being gimmicky. Reverend Slim Check out the Atmos mix for it's one of my favorites. It's one of the few that I truly love. Nightmare Alley, Guillermo del Toro's uh, film noir from a few years ago. If every Atmos mix were like that, I would love Atmos mm. because he uses the overhand overhead channels to really sort of create a soundscape that defines the difference between interiors and exteriors. Mm. There's one early in the film, like the first act, there's constantly this thunderstorm Mm. off on the horizon, just rolling thunder. And the thing is, you don't hear, oh, God, there's there's thunder coming out of my overhead speakers. No, you hear thunder like two and a half miles away, right? So they've done a really, really good job of, of... of creating ambience with the overhead effects instead of just, you know, slamming you in the top of the cranium with a helicopter blade. So oh, check that, that one out, Reverend. Oh, what was the film called again? Nightmare Alley. Nightmare Alley. And yeah. he responded, uh, oh, yes, Nightmare Alley had some nice atmospheric audio. Dr. Sleep is still my favorite in the vein, in the vein, though. Nice. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I'm, uh, I'm buying this off of, uh, off of Amazon as we speak. Hmm. Because I don't get a lot of good recommendations. So. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, it's funny because Chana and I, we joke that, that we should take some of the bad Atmos mixes and just kind of redo them and just just like make them, make them real awesome. Because <laughs> yeah, why not? Yeah, just make them cool. Yeah. Somehow. Why not? Yeah. Just why a not? fun little project. I, I should send uh, Dennis my Atmos music mixes and, and get a good. Oh, uh, yeah. I want to get a good uh, good critique. I like Atmos them. music a lot. I love oh, you Atmos do? music. Okay. Just adore. I just can't stand it with movies. Hmm. Really? So, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Usually yeah. people are the other way around. Yeah. Like they like it for movies, but not so much. I don't know if you've picked up on this, but I am a strange individual. <laughs> that's that's the opposite of what I <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Maybe I'm strange then. That, with that, that because laugh, I get along though. with you easily. <laughs> Somebody said that Aaron and I should start an, uh, a podcast about how much Atmos sucks. I think Aaron Definitely. and I should start a podcast about fried okra because if anybody in this group, I'm thinking the two of us could probably teach you Yankees something about fried okra. Listen. So, fried wow. okra and mashed potatoes together. <sighs> Hey, Aaron. See, that's why Aaron. I like you, Aaron. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? He, you know what? Dennis told me. <laughs> he told me earlier that he he has to go eat supper. Yeah, I didn't. Oh, we, we, we did. We no, there was a big debate about, like, oh, about dinner supper. versus supper. 
Um, gosh, Look, I like, didn't. I, don't I know, didn't. Six months ago, I didn't put on a button-up shirt, so it was supper. It was not dinner. So, ah. hey, oh, hey, Dennis, that's, that's, that's how he designates it. <laughs> yeah, hey, buddy. Dennis. Yeah, Bubba. I was refusing to eat okra before you were even born. <laughs> <laughs> You've never had good fried okra, then. I've had. I'm from Texas, for God's sake. <laughs> What what kind of appeal to authority is that? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> my grandma used to cook it along with like the, the 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 chicken fried steak and the 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 white gravy, and that's like all my grandma ever cooked in Texas yeah. was stuff like that, and I thought it was by and large really gross. <laughs> well, no. Now I really it. want okra. Like I'm like, okay, what fast food restaurants around here sell okra? <laughs> yeah. Got to go to a meat and three man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, that's all. That's the only option I have. I'll have to wait until tomorrow for lunch. Sorry, yeah. Aaron. So, <laughs> I'll drive down to your place. It's only two hours. You can make me some okra while I'm on my way. Ooh, yeah. Hey, I've got a pot of boiled peanuts going right now, man. So not worth it. Okra, though, I would do yeah. it for okra. Okay. <laughs> not worth it. I denied. It's like, nope, not for Shut that. that down fast. Yeah. Let me let me ask you this question: Are you going to say it puts the lotion on the skin? <laughs> <laughs> we need to get that one, one. <sighs> or get some Man, again. you know um we definitely have to get you guys on again i feel like we just kind of get along easily we're kind of on the same page yeah. when it comes to this whole thing and there's just so many things we could talk about i yeah. tried to just kind of keep it more surface level today mm. for the folks who maybe don't know you guys which is a crime they should definitely know about you guys they should definitely uh you know Subscribe to your podcast. Oh, thank you. One hundred percent. Unleashed. So, yeah, hope to have you guys on again soon. Don't don't leave after this because we do an after show for our our patrons and uh, I guess they're members of our channel. So if you're not already a member, Bitly forward slash Daily Hi Fi Crew. And so yeah, you'll be you'll you'll have access to our after show where we. Just kind of drop drop all the names that we didn't drop here. Is that what we yeah. do? Yeah. yeah, something like that. I want to hear it. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for being on. Thank you so much. Thank yeah. you Thanks for, for having, having us. us on. Well, I need to talk to you guys again. I need to get you spatial toolkit, Dennis. And if you want to play with it, also Brent, and then and then do some magic bean stuff with you guys. I really want to know what you guys think about that. So cool. Yeah. Okay. Anything else? Anything else before we go? Because I don't want to keep you too long. Anything else you you want you need to mention? No. Anything mm. you want to plug? Yeah. Special show, special guests on your show. Anything? Uh, no, we don't. We don't. We we don't really plan it out until like like <laughs> half Day an of. hour before we we, we get on and we get on and we talk for half an hour and then we start doing it. Yep. So that's uh, where the editing no, comes in, right? <laughs> no, uh, no great, no no great plans, but. Uh, you know, we the, there's very just just very very little is planned out. We kind of we try to think about it stuff, but we have an idea board that we work on that we throw ideas at each other, and yeah. then we just sort of get together about half an hour before we start rolling tape, and like, which ones are we gonna do? So right, okay, yeah. Now, once once we say audio unleashed, oh. And then anything can happen. <laughs> oh, there it is. There it is. I was waiting for it. My heart's beer battered. 
Yeah. Shana, you uh, want to take us out? That's right. You yes. got to go to the after show. Sure thing. And if you guys uh, uh, want to uh, become a member, I just dropped the link down in the chat, bit.ly forward slash daily hi-fi crew. And if you want to pick up some daily hi-fi merch, go to shop.dailyhifi.com. And if you like and or if you like to listen to the podcast instead of watch uh, maybe a goofball. Go to anchor.fm slash daily hi-fi. And thank you so much for hanging out with us on this Monday. We do this every Monday, 4 p.m. Pacific, 7 p.m. Eastern here on the Daily Hi-Fi YouTube channel. Make sure to subscribe up and tune in to the actual show if you're watching this on the replay. And we'll see you guys next week. Have a good night. See you guys. Bye. Bye-bye.